Good morning. You are ready to go. You're ready to hear the word and most of all, respond to the word, right? Hey, I'm Mike. I get to be one of the pastors here. I just want to say a warm hello. And if you're with us just as a guest, maybe first, second, third time, we are so, so glad that you're here. And before we get into the text today in Luke chapter four, I just want to say from the get-go, more than anything else, I want you to have an encounter with God. You know, they say that about 80% of the people who go to church across America, 80% go to a church service, a Bible service, and do not sense or feel or have an experience with God. And that tells me that we need to engage with this living God. And so my hope is that when we crack open the word, when you open up your app, when you open up the Bible, if you have one physically, and if you don't have one, you can just look on the screen. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, teach me something today. Help me, God, to engage with you. Help me, God, to be used by you, God, because the greatest thing we can ever do on earth is to be used by a living God. Amen? Listen, this Tuesday, I don't want you to miss, uh, Pastor Scott mentioned to us, I just want to remind us, we are having prayer and worship night, 7 p.m. this Tuesday. We have full-on children's ministry. And the reason that we do these is because Jesus told us, my house shall be a house of prayer. I believe the power of the church, the power of Holy Spirit living, when we live in the, and walk in the Spirit, it comes through prayer. If the church doesn't pray, when I say church, big C church, if we are not gathering together to pray, we we are missing out on the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to come this uh, uh, Tuesday night at 7 p.m. It's not the kind of prayer meeting where we're going to say, hey, stand up and pray. It's not like that. You, you just Some people, they just want to come and sit in the presence of God for an hour, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. They just want to be alone. And if that's you, I just want to encourage you to come. If you've never been to one, you got to come. I want you to hear the testimonies too about we serve a living God who's doing things now. Amen. I just want to share with you my heart, our heart here on our leadership team is that we want so much. If you are a Christ follower, we want to help you to continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus. And so we've provided a pathway for all of you to jump into so that we can keep becoming more like Jesus. And so real quick here, I just want to show you on the screens. We have a simple pathway. This is called the first step is discovering God. If you're here today and thinking, gosh, you know, I'm not really sure if I know God. I want to know God. I want to go to heaven, but what do I do? We have this first step. It's three sessions on just getting to know how do I know the Bible's true? How do I know there's a God? Who is this guy named Jesus? Was he really God? The third one then is how do I walk with Christ in my life? Is it something that's just kind of I see on TV, this weird Christianity? No, it's something far, far different than that. And so in that first session, we talk about discovering God. We want everybody to go there in that spot if you're just kind of checking God out and interested. The second step here is we want, we call this starting point. Starting point is a lunch that we do uh, right after second hour, and it just introduces us. This is what MVCC is about. If you want to get connected to God, we want to help you do that. This is how we do ministry. This is what we believe of the priesthood of all believers, meaning we all have gifts and talents, and God wants the church to be strong and mighty and vibrant, and we all have something to give. How can I get on the team? That's that starting point. Then the next one is, in fact, this Wednesday is another set of Next Steps. Next Steps is a six-week course. It's just kind of going over the basics of the Bible. How do I live for Christ? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? In fact, Pastor Scott, would you just stand? You teach that. Uh, he's, this guy is a great Bible teacher. This guy teaches 
He just has, he has a great style of teaching. He'll get you deep into the word. And it's just a great opportunity to go through some sessions and you get to ask some questions maybe that you uh, have always kind of been wondering about. And that's next step. The next Step is then life group. We want you to get into a smaller group, a small community of people where we're loving each other, struggling with each other, praying for each other, studying the word together. We're doing life together. The reason that we do life groups and we feel so passionate about this, that's the way Jesus did ministry. He chose 12 guys. He hung out with them for three years. He did life with them. And of course he was the word. He taught them the word and he showed them the word. And now we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus starting a life group 2000 years ago, right? And then the next one, is we want you to get on a service team here. It's fun. Can I just say it's fun to serve Jesus? It really is. When we get outside ourselves and we say, God, use me, and we get on one of our service teams, Pastor Robert is in the back right there. That's no intended, that little light, right? That's not intended that you're, uh, you're going to get shot at, bro. But this, I just want everybody to see Robert. We have seven teams here at MVCC. You can get involved and it's just, there's nothing like it. And it's not like you're signing your life away for 25 years. They have all kinds of rotations for teams. And here's the thing I want to ask you to do. If this is your home, I want you to see this is a very clear pathway so that we can continue to follow Jesus. Does that sound fair? Okay. And the last one here is, it doesn't just end with, hey, I got in the service team, got my life group, got my next steps, got my starting point. I'm good to go. I want to help somebody else go in through this process, right? And that's why we love people so much outside the church walls. We love everyone because Jesus loved everyone and we want everybody to know the gospel. So your, your call, your identity is found in Jesus Christ alone, right? We've been learning about that. And now part of that is Jesus was always always reaching out to people that were disenfranchised on the margins of life, didn't have any hope, were in depression, were in all, caught in all kinds of sin. And Jesus reached down and lifted somebody up and helped them to see the hope that Jesus is. And that's simply what we want to do here at MVCC. We want to baptize as many people as possible. We want to see more people come into the kingdom. We want heaven to be absolutely full of souls. Why? Because that's Jesus's heart. He died for every single person. He rose again so that we could have victory, which is what I want to talk about today in this text. We are in a series through the gospel of Luke. We're just going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We're going to be there for most of the year, which I'm totally excited about because when we get in the word, man, that, that's just where we need to be. We are in the fourth chapter. We've been going through the first three chapters here. And uh, this particular section here, I like because Jesus did something that we can all do. We catch that? Jesus did something by example that we can, every single one of us in this room can do. Do you ever feel like there's temptation out there just feels like it's constant. It's never ending. When I was in Hawaii, one of the things I loved to do, I, um, lived, my wife and I lived there for six years. And I thought, well, if I'm moving to Hawaii, I need to learn how to surf. So a friend of mine in our church, when I lived in Hawaii, he says, this is how you do it. Got these really, we call them rhino chasers. They're really long boards. And we go out to Waikiki and he taught me how to surf. Well, I just, I just, I loved it. I just got the bug to be out there in the water. You know, in Hawaii, you don't have wetsuits. You get to see the clear crystal water. The water's like bath water. It's beautiful. You know, it's paradise. I'd be like, as many times as I could take the high school kids out, man, what do you want to do? Let's go surfing. I just loved it. One of the things about surfing when you're on the North Shore is the sets keep coming and they keep coming. 
while we're sitting on our board in between sets, it feels like it just keeps coming. And when before you get a moment to just relax and rest, there's another set that just comes and crashes. And for me, I was kind of a beginner, so I wasn't this really hot surfer. I was trying to still learn. And I would just get plummeted. And when you go under the water with a surfboard, you get caught and tumbled, and it feels like you're never going to see sky again. That's kind of, for me, what some temptations feel like. Are you with me? I, I, just, I just think that there's a mis, misconception here that if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, you'll never have problems, you'll never have conflict, you'll never have these temptations that just seem to bombard you and continue to crash over you. The Apostle Paul, who wrote the New Test, two-thirds of the New Testament, said in Galatians, Paul knew his life was radically changed by Jesus Christ. He gave everything to God. And God used him in such a powerful way that he wrote these words in Galatians 5, 16 and 17. If you're taking some notes, I hope you are. You can write these down. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Now here's the thing. They are in, watch this word, conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. So what those verses are telling me is, if we're a Christ follower, we got a target. And the enemy is going to try and get you to do the old life. He's gonna try and get you to do the things that we really shouldn't do. Or he's gonna try and get us to neglect the things that Jesus really wants us to do. Hence, there is a conflict now, constantly in the life of the Christian. Can I just say out of the get-go, this coddled Christianity that, well, we just received Jesus and life is done and I've did my thing. It's not like that. We received Christ. We know that we're loved. We get a whole new identity. Wow, Jesus changes my life. I am radically, you are radically changed from the inside out and the devil can never take that away from you. But he will pound you. He will grind you. He will try and suck the life out of you. He will do everything he can to tempt you, not only to sin, to become bitter little people, to become uh, a hostile, to become uh, uh, just a warrior or, or, or a drug abuser. He'll do anything he possibly can to get you off track of following Jesus. The reason we do what we do is because he loved us and we love him. I, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, following Christ is this huge task and it's just drudgery every single day. Man, there's joy. My life can be crashing down around me. Circumstances can be turned to remote, this, 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 this constant whirlwind. But Jesus brings joy, man, that the world cannot give. Therefore, how... Are we going to walk in victory when temptation comes? Not if temptation comes, but when temptation. If I never have any conflict, if I never have this struggle, if I never have this, this constant tension that's going back and forth, I'm a little worried. Listen, if you have conflict and tension and the enemy's coming after you, he knows that you are doing something for Jesus. He knows that you your life is on point. So question, question of the hour here, who are you gonna believe? If we just believe in self, if we just pull ourselves up by our own bootstrap, we can only get so far. But if I believe the one who is from heaven, if I believe the one who 
overcame temptation. He wrestled with the enemy for 40 days and Jesus won the victory, man. I tell you, I wanna, I'm learning in my life to walk from the victory of Christ rather than trying to strive for the victory. Does that make sense? I think many of us were, were striving to get to the victory. If I can just get victory over this and if I can just get there, Jesus already won the victory. When he died on the cross and he resurrected from the dead, now he wants, that's why I think what Paul said was walk in the spirit, meaning walk from the victory. And Jesus gives us a wonderful example of how to do that. Turn in your Bibles then over to Luke chapter four. We're gonna read verses one to 13. Remember the context here, Jesus' baptism. He just got baptized by his cousin John, the Jordan River. There were thousands of people that were there. John was preaching a fiery message. You need to repent. You need to get your life right. You need to be ready because the Messiah is coming. And right there, baptized 362, 363, 364. Jesus then stands up right before John. And John in all of his humility, yet John was a powerful man in the spirit, He looks at Jesus in the eyes and says, Jesus, I can't baptize you. You need to baptize me. Jesus says, John, we need to do this to fulfill all righteousness. This is right to do this before God because God called us to obey him. But the other part of this immediately, I want you to see this when we read this. One of the other gospel writers says, immediately after Jesus was baptized. I think sometimes after we get baptized, we receive Christ. We go home and think life's gonna be wonderful. The enemy works the hardest right after you give your life to Jesus because he wants to pull you back into the old life. Does that make sense? I just say, you know, I'm learning, bring it on. Because I know who's in me. Jesus Christ is in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. This, this I can do. And I don't mean out of confidence or arrogance, but Luke chapter four, one to 13, I just wanna keep hammering this. You can do this. That's why Jesus did this. He didn't really need to do this. Jesus is God. Jesus is almighty. He is the one true living God. He didn't need to overcome the enemy. He could have snuffed out the enemy with a snap of his fingers, but he did this to show us you can fight the devil. You can resist temptation. You can rest in me. So, In all this, let's read verses 1 to 13 together. I just want to read this carefully because it's so important. The most important part of these 30 minutes is the word of God. Amen? Amen. Number one is this. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Can I just stop there real quick? It sounds really nice. It sounds, yeah, I want to be full of the Spirit. I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to go into the wilderness and just be alone with God and have my identity with God and just nothing else is going to hinder my time with God for 40 days, but that's not what was happening. Where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. I just want us to notice here in that verse, not just one day, not two days, not three days, Every single day, the waves were crashing over Jesus, who was fully God, yet he was fully human. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, so if, key word there, if you really are the son of God, notice how he always tries to put doubt. If you're really a Christian, if you really love God, if you are really strong in the Lord, this wouldn't have happened, right? Of course, that's of the enemy. He's a scripture twister. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Darn it. Devil couldn't get him on the first one. So here's number two. 
the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If, here we go, if you bow down and worship me, it'll all be yours. Now, can I just stop here for a second? Who does the devil think he is to think he has anything to give to the Son of God? I asked myself that question, so I dug a little bit deeper where it says in Corinthians that Satan, for a small period of time, is the little G God. I just want, you can Google this, you can find out where it says that. He is the little G God, which means he has a limited amount of, I don't want to say rule or authority, but God cast him down from heaven because of what he did in deception and sin and started sin, and that's why there's so many problems in the world. Satan has a limited amount of, I don't even know what the word is. He just has a limited place. And so he thinks because he's a deceiver, he's a liar, he thinks he can give that away to the enemy. Do you see how he works? He's gonna try and he's gonna flower for you some mistruth to get you to think it's truth and he's gonna put doubt in your mind. And of course, Jesus' response is golden. I love it. Jesus answered, number two, it is written. We catch that? He always went back to the word. He never got defensive. He never came up with a story. He didn't come up with a clever cutback. He always went to the word. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand in the highest place in the temple, the highest point. If, if, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Stop right there. Do you see what he's doing? He knows the word, but he's twisting it. That is not the context of what God intended when that was written in Deuteronomy. That is taking a verse out of context, which shows we have to be very careful. If you're a student of the word, if you're a follower of Christ, one is we need to know the word. If the devil knows the word, we need to know the word. I was sitting with a brother who comes to our life group on Saturday morning. It's a men's life group. We just tear up the word of God together every Saturday. And he says, you know, about eight years ago, I was sitting in a Bible study. I didn't really know where Romans was and Acts. And all of a sudden the pastor said something. And it was just a God moment where I felt like God was speaking right to me. And he says, you've got to know the word. If you don't know how to wield your sword, you'll never know how to fight the devil. And it was from then on, man, eight years ago, the guy's in the word every day. He's studying, he's reading, he's got his Bible dictionaries. He's got his concordance. The guy is like a walk Bible encyclopedia. Eight years ago, he made a decision. Stop waiting for a feeling. I know what I need to do and I'm going to do it. I want to be a man of the word. I want to be a woman of the word. So he says here, darn it. Didn't work. Number three, Jesus answered, as he says, do not put the Lord, your God, to the test. Don't you love Jesus? So in control, so actionary, not reactionary. Does that make sense? When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. That Greek word there means that he was always watching for another opportunity to catch Jesus. 
I just want you to see that your salvation hangs in the balance right here. Because if Jesus falls to temptation one time, it disqualifies him from dying on the cross and we're lost. We have no hope. But I'm so glad that the son of God stayed true to the word. He remember he was limited in some sense because he was in the flesh. Although being fully God, he still had the choice to sin and he didn't. I'm so glad for that, that Jesus never sinned. He never fell to temptation and he won the victory for you and I. Now there are three attacks here that are so simple. In Deuteronomy 8, come on, Jesus, turn these stones into bread. Wow, the crowd. You can just have it now. You don't have to wait on God. You don't have to wait for God to give you something. You can do anything now. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. I'll give you all the kingdoms. They'll be yours. Everything. You don't have to wait on God for what he will give you. I'll give it to you now. Immediate gratification. Number three is, wow, I'm Jesus. If you jump off the highest pinnacle of the temple, show some magic. They'll all believe in you and they'll all follow you. Do you see how the enemy works? It's really interesting. And then Malachi chapter three, some of the Jewish teachers actually believe that the Messiah would set himself up at the very pinnacle of the temple. That's why I think Satan used this tactic against Jesus because if you get Jesus to do God's will Satan's way, he would have completely messed up the whole plan of salvation. So what do we do? Everybody take a deep breath. It's okay to be tempted. Temptation is not a sin, but to fall, to choose that temptation, that's where we get into trouble. That Greek word kairos means an opportune time, the right time that the enemy is always looking. He's always lurking. He wants to catch us. He wants to entrap us. Now, there are three, three areas out of this that I see going just a little bit deeper that the enemy wants to entice us with. One is provision. Do I really trust that God's going to provide for me? Turn these stones into bread. Number two is power. Do I really trust that God has his best interest in my life? And number three is protection. Do I really believe that God will protect me? It's not gonna be easygoing. Doesn't mean that we won't get cancer. Doesn't mean that we won't fall and break our leg. Doesn't mean that we won't go through divorce. Doesn't mean that we won't have problems here and there in family. We're still gonna have problems. But the question is, do I believe that God is going to still protect my soul? That he's going to protect the very person that he created me to be? I gotta believe that. Because the enemy is sneaky. Ephesians chapter six, he's crafty. John eight, he's a deceiver. In fact, think about this. If Satan, who could turn one third of the angels that God, who cre- God, he created every single one of them, if he could turn them away from God to leave the very presence and be a part of the demonic, think how he can deceive people on earth, Right? We don't want to take him lightly and I certainly don't want to lift him up. I just want to make aware this is who we're fighting and this is how we fight. He's a liar, Romans, or Revelation chapter 12. He's the father of lies, John chapter eight. He's the master of confusion. Boy, that's what I see in the church today. If he can create confusion, if he can create disunity, which comes from Matthew chapter 12, that's his MO. Man, I just feel like oftentimes in my own life, I don't know if you feel this way, I think we're the same in this, that devil, you've held me down long enough. I just feel like there are are moments that I just, unfortunately, because I'm 
I, I get caught in stuff that I've thought processes and actions and behaviors that have no business being in my life because the enemy wants to get you and me into a tight place. For example, the best part of your life is over, man. God's done with you. God really, if God really loved you, there's that if again. I, I just want you to just take a look at this, this chapter again because I want you to see verse three, verse six, verse nine, verse 10, and verse 11. Because th- what the enemy tries to do is he tries to make the truth sound like it goes into our best interest on our own. He'll take something that's of truth of God and he'll turn it into a lie. And that's why John 8.32 says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And in verse 31, previous to that, this is where I want to key in on, this is, Jesus is golden to this. To the Jews who believed him, to the Jews who believed in Jesus, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. It's not just, well, I just believe the Bible. I know a couple verses. If you hold to my teaching. That Greek word hold means to hold tightly. It means with all my might. It means, it's almost a sense of when I was reading about this, it's almost like a sense of desperation. I have to hold on to this or my life will go down the tubes. It's that sense of urgency. It's that sense of passion that I have to hold on to this. Can I just say, if they rip away the church buildings and they rip away all of our gatherings and all that things that the, you know, the enemy wants to do in our world today, he can never take away from you the word of God that is in your heart. Never, ever, ever. And that's why it's so important that we hold on to the truth. So there are three lies that I just want to go deeper with this. I'll do what I feel like doing. Nobody will know. It's just me. Or I want it. I see it. I deserve it. Nobody will know. I don't need God to tell me what to do. You see how we don't say those words, but I think if we're just completely honest and real, we can live in that mode. And I don't want to for any moment here, the time that I have here on earth, the privilege I have of being your pastor to give you coddled Christianity, to make it easy, this soft serve Christianity that just God fits into our schedule. We fit into his plan. We fit into his agenda. We fit into what he's doing. And that's where the joy comes from. So we don't want to just treat the symptoms of temptation. We want to get to the root. So um, I've asked my son, Jonathan. Jonathan, could you come up here? This is one of my sons, Jonathan. And uh, Jonathan serves with our junior high ministry. He loves junior high kids, peeling them off the wall. Yes, there really are people. There are people in there. So as Jonathan's serving God, we taught our kids when they were little, we little kids, we wanted to teach them God's word, but ultimately they have to choose for their own what they're going to do. It's their choice, whether they're going to follow Jesus Christ and hold fast to the truth. So the visual, forgive me for this, is so easy, but I just want to show you because I think visuals are powerful me. That's how I learn. I'm a visual type person. So I just want you to think about that. Hold to my teaching. You're really my disciples. So this is the visual that I have. Ready, Jonathan? One, two, three. He's, all right, you caught it, dude. Woo! Now, 
Just hold on to that, brother. Hold on to that close to your heart. That holding on, I'm catching the word and I'm holding it close to my heart is that visual that we have to hold on to it, right? That's easy, of course. I'm gonna learn some Bible verses. I'm gonna get in a life here. I'm gonna go to next steps. I'm gonna learn here. I'm gonna read my Bible. Good time of the year to do that is right now. Go through the whole Bible in a year, these incredible Bible reading programs. Yeah, you know what, Mike? I'm gonna do it. I got it. I'm holding fast to the word. But can I just give you another visual here? Thank you, Jonathan. Jonathan, would you just hold these one in each hand real quick? I know this is just so simple, but for me, it just, I, I learn in simplicity. I had a, pa- a, a professor one time tell me in Bible college, put the cookies down on the lower shelf so that we can get it, we can understand it. So this little visual here, I think, will help. What we often do, I think, in our Christian walk is that we are holding on to trash, and we have these secret little trash bags. And we cherish the trash bag. And so, yeah, I got it. I'm going to hold on to the truth, but I still want to hold on to my trash. Here's the visual that I have when Jesus says, hold to my teaching. You're really my followers. So we're going to do the same exercise. We're going to hold on to the truth. So Jonathan, you're going to catch the truth. Do you see what he had to do? Do you see what he had to do? I think we need to do that again because I don't think this section over here didn't see it. Maybe it's because, you know, Jonathan's back is towards you. Let's just do that again. Because for me, this is powerful. Because the more that I walk with Jesus, sometimes I think, well, I can hold on to my little trash, right? Here we go. One, two, three. He immediately had to drop the trash. So when he was in, um, I'll just share the story. Um, when he was going to Saddleback College, um, let me just back up. When we'd take walks with our golden retriever when they were little, he would see trash cans throughout the neighborhood and he'd find things that I never even saw. In fact, when he went on walks, he'd bring, dad, look at this really cool thing. It's a broomstick and I'm gonna make this thing out of it and we're gonna cut the ends and we're gonna paint it. And I'm like, dude, it's a broomstick. He's digging in the trash. I didn't want my son digging in the trash, but he's the trash digger. So, so <laughs> he's at Saddleback College and there's a dump, all dumpsters everywhere on the campus. He comes home with the stuff. I said, where did you get that stuff? He says, dad, you're not gonna believe it. Somebody threw it away. I jumped into the dumpster and I got this really cool thing. I immediately called the police department and I said, I just need to know, is it against the law to go dumpster diving? They said, no, it's not against the law. But the point is, I don't want my kid digging in the trash. Now he's outgrown that. He's not jumping in the trash anymore. But I think he's a Christ follower like, you know, we wanna be. And he's learning. So thank you, Jonathan, for this illustration. Yeah. Now, what? I'll do some of my own dumpster diving right here. What is in here in this trash? It's McDonald's. Don't tell my wife. There's a French fry still in here. Half open Cheetos. I love Cheetos. And Pepsi. I know I'm not supposed to drink it. It's full of sugar. Oh my gosh, this was like worth $2,000 two years ago, right? All this trash that I cherish. Can I just get real with you for a second? Can we just go a little bit deeper? Okay, one. All right. I'm going to speak to you, just the one person. 
It's okay for me to cheat on my spouse because they really don't appreciate me. Doesn't matter if I cheat on this test a little bit. I got to get the grade. I got to pass. I don't know if I cheat on my taxes a little bit. It's not that big a deal. And my husband and wife, my husband or my wife, she's just not... And they listened to me at the office. He was so concerning. He noticed that I changed my hair. He's paying attention to me. He likes me. He smiles at me. My husband doesn't smile to me. He's giving me attention. Do you see where this goes? She really listens, man. On that soccer team with my kid, their kids, we just stand on the sidelines and my spouse doesn't go, but she's there and she actually takes time to listen. We really connected in a way that, do you see how this goes? It's okay to lie just a little bit. It's okay if I promote myself. I have to promote myself. And what happens is we have this huge laundry list now. Oh, I wasn't going to mention this one, but I'll do it anyway. It's not just the bad things. It's when Jesus said, preach the gospel to every creature. Well, I don't really need to do that. I don't, I, I don't, I, that's, we pay the pastors to do that. I don't. It's our joy, it's our responsibility as a Christ follower to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I ignore that or think I don't need to do that or that's somebody else's job, it's just as impactful, unfortunately, as some of the very bad things that we get. I don't really need to love that person. I'll just commit them to prayer, but I don't really need to love. I don't need to forgive. They didn't ask for forgiveness. I'm not gonna forgive. Do you see where this can go? And all of a sudden, we start putting ourselves up in a power play, and we miss the opportunities that God has for us. And we miss the opportunity to walk in the Spirit. So to close this down, there are three things that I want us to just hold on to. One is this. Our identity drives our behavior. If I don't know who I am, it's going to be very difficult to fight the one who thinks he knows who I am. Does that make sense? I can't fight the enemy unless I know and I'm confident, not with arrogance, but a humble confidence that Jesus Christ is in my life. So my identity drives my behavior. So what are we going to do? First thing is, I'm just learning. Get on my knees quick. Admit your change, that you need change right now. We all need change. We all need to fix something. We all need to rectify something. We all need to be more like Jesus. So the first thing is, don't fight it. Don't like, well, this is for somebody else. Gosh darn, I wish my spouse was here today. I wish somebody else would have turned online. Gosh, man, this is for me. I need to change. Number two is, make the change. Drop the trash. Drop the trash. Can I just tell you, we all probably have a little bit of that trash. And Jesus is saying, trust me, if you drop it, you'll be able to hold onto the truth and I will set you free. Don't we all want to be set free? If we hold onto the truth, he will set us free. And the last one is make the change now to learn the word of God. We have to, we must. It's absolutely paramount that we know and learn and most of all, live the word of God. So I want every single one of us, if you're a Christ follower, to develop some type of got to get the word in every single day into my life. I want to know the word, live the word, and share the word. So Father, I thank you that you've given us simply as it is written, as it is written, as it is written. Thank you, Jesus, for the example. And God, this morning, I just pray that 
something happens in the spirit, Lord, where decisions are made. Life is changed. Hearts are changed, God. We appeal to you, Jesus. We thank you that you did this so that we could see how to fight the enemy. And God, thank you for the victory that you already won. Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.